Welcome to the Dear Warren podcast, where we do backseat parenting. We share stories, principles, parables, and lessons and pass them down to my son, Warren. But most importantly, we try to have fun. This episode, our featured guest is our good friend, Bruce Williams. Bruce is a musician, a teacher, a Brazilian jiu-jitsu black belt, and has the ability to predict championship UFC fights. He does. I saw him when he did it for the Conor McGregor fight. Bruce uh, and I, uh, he goes way back with Jessica and I. He was there uh, for the very start of our Brazilian jiu-jitsu journey. I've seen him perform as a jazz musician, and he was also instrumental <laughs> in providing me guidance in jazz guitar. Uh, Bruce gets very deep in, uh, in discussion in this podcast, very insightful in the relationship between jazz and jiu-jitsu, um, stories about putting his own son through college. He goes into the backstory beside uh, behind his latest album, Private Thoughts, and I feel honored for him to have shared such personal and very revealing stories for us and for Warren. So please enjoy as we present to you, Bruce Williams. This is the Dear Warren Podcast. Hello there, Mr. Bruce. How are you today? Mr. Bruce Williams. I'm doing great. I'm so glad to have you out, man. It's been a while. It's been a while. How have you been? Quite busy um, with all the things, you know, husband, father, uh, jazz educator, musician, Mm -hmm. jujitsu, black belt, just... All over the place. All over the place. Professor in more than just uh, one uh, uh, subject matter as well, too. Yeah. um, I've been, um, the past three years... An ensemble coach at Juilliard Jazz under the direction of Wynton Marsalis and Dr. Aaron Flagg. So between there and uh, I've been saxophone instructor at Bard College for, I think, about 11 years. Jazz House Kids, um, you know, all the local stuff like that, plus touring and playing around with um, various Highly notable individuals like Buster Williams, the great famous bassist, Buster Williams and Steve Teray and Roy Hargrove's big band and his funk band, R.H. Factor. And my own stuff, I released a new CD a, a little more than a year ago on the famous saxophone player who was like a mentor, Oliver Lake, on his label called um, Private Thoughts. His label's called Passing Through. Mm-hmm. So we uh, we had a great thing about that. You know, the session and the packaging is beautiful, everything. So between all that stuff and then, you know, training and being a daddy, you know, it's, you know, a husband, father, (laughs) you know. You walked in and it was, uh, your eyes were lighting up and you got to see Warren for the first time. Yeah, I love little dudes. I love little (laughs) kids. I mean, you know, I wish they could stay like that for a while. (laughs) I was even congratulating you because uh, you're one of the select few that have, uh, uh, if as far as a parent quote done their job and pretty much got them all the way, and now they're up in, uh, I believe your oldest one is in college right now. Right? Yeah, he um, he wasn't a guy that really was ready to go away. Mm-hmm. So he's at Essex County, um, almost done with an associate. He's been taking his time and working jobs here and there, trying to figure out what he really wants to do. Yeah, he's really into um, photography and um spoken word and and things like that how to try to connect graffiti art and photography and hip-hop and skating Mm. as well as um you know you know critical thought he's into those kinds of things you know underground rap not the mainstream rap so 
he's kind of his brain is kind of boiling right now you uh-huh. know? and he's got to figure out now leaving and going to a four-year school to finish yeah so we're trying to um encourage him to think about montclair state since it's close he's at home he's not really the one that needs to leave home you know um luckily new jersey has enough really good schools around that you don't have to necessarily you know go out of state um as you know i'm from washington dc so the D.C. area and the New Jersey metro area, if you can't find a place to go to school, something's wrong with you. Because mm. there's a lot of good community colleges as well as the main uh, universities that are around and trade schools. So seems it's the same as D.C. I mean, you know, there's a lot to do if you really want to be involved. You what know? do you think that is when you said that uh, you don't really need to leave home like around this area or is around D.C.? Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you have like a, a routine that you're used to, and you're you're starting to expand your lifestyle, but you're not really ready to be on your own with the daily responsibility of getting up and doing X, Y. I mean, adulting too soon for some kids is hard, Mm -hmm. you know, and it took me a long time to accept that because I didn't have that that option. Mm -hmm. You know, I decided to do me and how I wanted to do me um, somewhat forcibly, but also because... I wanted to have my own stuff. And my father, he kind of just like, I mean, it was like un, unspoken. All of us, we just did our own thing. By the time we were 18, we were working towards either school or a job or whatever, you know, not being locked up into being under our parents' wing so much. Hmm. I still had my mom. You know, my father had passed away. I, I still had my mom, but I was still out here, you know, in college and working and gigging. And having girlfriends, you know, like I was juggling adulting, Mm -hmm. you know, like entering into adulting, (laughs) you know, a lot to take on at that time, too. And it was still what, like 18, 19, 20, those years, 18, 19, 20, 21. And it's it's just unless you were already pretty much prepared for that. Like if if you're not, it's just like a, 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 a monsoon that hits you. At least, at least for from my experience, it was like, oh, when you're when you're in school, all right, you have this schedule, this schedule, this is set. You got semi strict parents like mine, and then all of a sudden you're off to college, and it's like, nope, no one's telling you to study, no one's telling you to you know go to bed at this time, no one's telling you to do this on your own, and then and you hear about just uh, students just not being able to handle that level of freedom. So did you have? You probably already had a, as you said, some type of routine, or that was something you also developed on. Yeah, I mean, I had it was a, a mixed bag because yeah. where I went to school was the University of the District of Columbia, which is the city university. It's like equivalent to a community college, but it's a four-year school. Hmm. It's what they called at the time a land grant college. You didn't have to take SATs or whatever; you just had an entrance exam. And. Uh, my exam was cool and all that stuff, and I came on a full music scholarship. So for me, I was there for a reason, and the person that recruited me was the head of the department. Mm-hmm. So it was very easy. Like one afternoon, I got on the train and went down an audition. I got off the train back at high school and said, hey, I have a full scholarship. It was like no letter or a whole bunch of formalities. It just happened, you know? And so I said, okay, this is where I want to go. There were other little letters trying to like, Hint at, like, scholarship, you know, like, yeah, we, we've been hearing about you, they, you know, from a couple of schools, but this was the right place to go because they had mm-hmm. a lot more of a family or communal environment within the mm-hmm. department. And the teachers were great. The f- 
professors were, you know, really, really high level for it to be a small place, you know. And so as far as routine, you were pretty much already sharp. So, so because in order to have that, uh, you know, be sought after as, as a musician, you probably had to have an already uh, uh, well-developed practice regimen. Unless you knew people who just got in on just, and, you know, you, you hear pure talent. But I doubt that. Right? Well, I mean, I, I practiced a lot in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have very many private teachers in high school. But the ones I did, like, opened up a lot for the short period of time that I had them. And when I finally got to college, I asked my professor, uh, Dr. Leroy Barton, did I have any, you know, glaring bad habits? He said, not one. Hmm. I had this little air pocket in my face, like my one cheek would puff out, excuse me, and my uh, my chin would be rolled up a little bit, which should be flat. And he uh, he just corrected that mm-hmm. over the course of like six, seven months. And that was that. I mean, he really straightened me out. But with things that I still use to this day, that I pass on to this day, that I've uh, tweaked from my perspective to help others with, you know. And as you were going through, I, I remember you took me to uh, a couple, you know, jazz open mics, and we're seeing a, a nice new next generation, and yet the the next generation. I think one of the first ones I, I came to, uh, there was a, a seven nine year old on drums. Was that? Um, I think it was, might have been Mike Lee's. Yeah, Mike Lee's uh, kid. son. Yeah, and mm-hmm. just totally like just blowing everyone away. At least you know, for me, my first exposure just just blowing me away. What do you What do you think of the? This new crop that's that's coming up. I think they're very talented, you know, and I have some very mixed perspectives about what we call music education or jazz education, because considering jazz education, go for it. man. It looks like we um, everybody can play. Mm -hmm. It looks like that, you know, because functionally they're playing the stuff that sounds like the consumer would say it's jazz. Mm -hmm. Not very many of them are artists. Hmm. And it takes a long time to become an artist. So there's a lot of, uh, uh, how would you say, I don't know, a lot of window dressing. Okay. You know, Flash the, over the, substance. Well, there's some substance, but mm-hmm. like it looks deeper than what it is, hmm. you know. And it's going to be that way, you know. I understand that and I accept it that it's going to be that way. The thing about it is there's so many of them. There's so many coming up that can play at this point. They're going to have to be weeded out to the point like who you want to listen to. You want the one that just sounds like, yeah, that's jazz. Or like someone who's trying to be on the track to be Miles. Mm. Trying to be on the track to be John Coltrane. Trying to be the Stan Getz, the West Montgomery. You know, Mm -hmm. There's not that many like that. There's some very proficient youngsters and you know can play well, read well. You know, learn tunes, everything, you know. But that next level is what always got me into the music. It wasn't just the basic pedagogicals uh, within a square framework that enticed me. It was everything outside of that. Because that was like the norm. Like, you know, learn your horn, learn your scales. I mean, okay, so what? That's what you're supposed to do. It's the other thing, the uh, intangible stuff. I was like, I want to know what that is about, you know. And is that what, as as you mentioned, the word artist as opposed to, I guess, what you were saying that these these kids yeah, could artist play. rather than just a, um, for lack of a better word, a uh, a novice practitioner. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like um, 
it's just like jujitsu. It's like you know when you deal with guys that are a black belt, mm-hmm. and then there's that black belt that's um really dedicated to constantly learning, and then there's that black belt that's like it looks like art mm-hmm. when you watch the tournaments. Like how did he pull that off? Mm-hmm. You know, there's not that many like that. Yeah, there's a bunch of like high level practitioners, and that's how the art stays alive. That's how jazz is going to stay alive. A lot of high-level practitioners. But the artists, that's what we're looking for to make the music special. Hmm. So, I mean, I look at it the same way. There's a, for me, there's a parallel between the two. You learn the rules, you break the rules. A little bit of what uh, uh, a quote from Charlie Parker, learn everything, and then when you get up <laughs> on the bandstand, just throw out the book and play, right? Exactly. And do you think that's something that... Um, can it be taught? That's a that's an that's a good question. Artistry can can that be taught? I don't think so. No, I think there's either something in you um, that leads you towards it, mm. or there's um, like you just have no other way of doing it, and it just happens to be special. Hmm. You know, sometimes it's a conscious decision to not do things a certain way, like understand them, process them, but like specifically chooses to do something another way and do you think because now i'm starting now you got my head uh spinning with uh uh, comparing it to jujitsu as well too so if we go by the logic that some there's definitely some intangibles of of jujitsu that just can't be taught right does that you can make that up though some of those intangibles even if you don't have them you can probably make them up with uh, some other aspect of your game, whether it be uh, much better that you work harder at your conditioning, maybe you work harder at this specific technique. I don't know. Is there is there is there an equivalent of that? I guess as as a musician, right? Where well, you know, I, I feel like you know. There's times people ask me, "Well, how did you play such and such?" Mm, and I can't a, really yeah, tell that's you. A, that's a broad question. And I yeah. can tell you the structure of of, of how it works, mm-hmm. but exactly. how it happened at that particular moment in time. You know, it's a, that's where the, the magic and the improvisation comes from, from understanding, um, like, what you just the, the fundamental position, you know, the grips to the hips. Mm-hmm. It's like you got to know that first before you start looking for the, uh, mm-hmm. you know, the little personal idiosyncrasies that everybody has. Like, I'd rather put my head and hand here rather than that. Oh, well, I like to do it here, mm-hmm. you know, but the end result is still a sweep. So who cares? <laughs> you know what I mean? There was a, a, a video I watched, uh, and, and it was produced way... It was 1966. It was Bill Evans' uh, Universal Mind. And it was basically about him. He was being inter- interviewed by his brother, mm. talking about like his approach to uh, improvisation and also self-learning. And uh, his, the, the, the gist of the video was, as you're saying, build upon a strong foundation. Don't build it upon uh, confusion. And his brother asked him to demonstrate that. I think you would have gotten a kick out of this video. He goes, oh, well, you know, here's this standard. And maybe they'll hear a high-level player play it like this. And it's all, like, imitation. And he plays very fancy. And, and he's trying. The funny part, Bruce, he was trying to play like a novice and mess up. It still sounded beautiful. <laughs> he was he was trying to. And then he said, and then you have to play something really uh, foundational, really fundamental keep it like this and and the thing he was playing was you could tell that he was reserved but it still sounded just as as beautiful and and i think one of my other friends and i we were we were watching it cracking up in the sense of like oh my god he's 
he's so good that he's trying to mess up and he and he's he's been so in the zone that it, it's, it's very it's hard for to him get to mess up it. yeah it's very difficult to um you know what i find most difficult is that like uh if you're playing with people and it's not really the level you normally are used to mm-hmm. uh, there's a real strain if you're someone who's more in an artistic mindset rather than just a, a practitioner mm-hmm because you don't get the same give and take mm-hmm. and communication to be able to express yourself because you're used to playing that way. Mm-hmm. So you start to kind of like uh, regurgibop, you know, <laughs> you know your stuff. Like, is that is that your word? Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Trademark. A few people have uh, said some cool words on this podcast, and this one's Trademark Bruce Williams. Thank you very 2018. much. 2018. <laughs> uh, Go ahead. I mean, to like... I know this works this way. It's going to be this way, and it's. I know it's going to sound good, and to the point where everyone's going to recognize it, and it's like the the, the trademark, a phrase or style right here, and mm. every everyone gets happy because they hear something they recognize, mm. so they regurgitate. They start playing everything that's like safe. That gets a that gets the safe reaction, a, a proven right positive reaction, and, and people are like, yeah, that's it, because they recognize it, mm-hmm. rather than being open to the magic. The mystery of um, that work that sounded good, but it maybe came from a different direction than I was prepared to accept. Mm-hmm. If you're more open, you're just prepared to accept whatever it is because it sounds good and it feels good. And the end result, like if you were to transcribe it, you mm-hmm. would realize, wow, that was heavy or that was interesting, as opposed to preconceived ideas that are set up with rules and boundaries and um I, I that's why i said you have to break some of that you got to learn them but then you have to break a few you know uh, just like just like i said with jujitsu you learn a particular way to sweep where you put your hands and everything but sometimes in the heat of the moment you don't get all the proper grips and you still get that sweep with Maybe a little bit more strength than necessary, but not mm-hmm. really using strength, but it's still fundamentally a little bit of you in there, whether it be strength, whether it be flexibility, whether it be exactly. athleticism. Right. And then you, you start to come out. Right. There. So, you, nice. I mean, you can like, you know, maintain uh, that mystery about why you're this rank or how you achieve this or what's your philosophy about the position or the move or, or the song or whatever it is, you know, uh, personal take, you know, uh, your signature, mm-hmm. you know. I, I just believe that everybody has their own way of doing certain things. It's a very Taoist way of of, of approaching um, that, where there's you have that right, right, line right down the middle, the yin yang, mm-hmm. and it and it meets in the middle, and that's just like at the edge of as what you're seeing, where there's a lot of what you know, a lot of what is safe, and then obviously on the other side there's uh, what you don't know. It's all it's it's unexplored territory. It's yeah. experimental, and it's kind of like you're on that bleeding edge of that line and i think uh mike used to talk about all the time of that state of flow yeah where where it is you're you're safe but you're also not safe all at the same time and it's kind of like that well the zone right well and that's exactly like with music yeah being like a jazz improviser you have to sound bad in order to learn to sound good you have to try to reach for that other thing and maybe it may or may not you know you're not gonna bat a thousand every time Mm. But you got to get on base every time. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't want to strike out. But you got to be willing to strike out or at least get on base. Mm-hmm. And your goal is to always get on base. Now, if you 
bat a thousand, you know, you're always saying, you know, knocking everything out the park, everything's, you know, that's great, but that's not realistic. It's really not realistic. So the comparison is you have to tap a lot or get past in order to recover and to learn like how to play possum, how to mm. figure this out and, you know, endure. Endure the guy that's like 50 pounds, 100 pounds heavier and understand it like you're okay. You know, um, I still got time on the clock or he didn't stab me. <laughs> he didn't punch me. Mm -hmm. You know, um, it doesn't look pretty. Yep. But I'm alive. That's getting on base. There was another line from that Bill Evans uh, documentary where he said, especially for a jazz improviser, where, or, or another type of music, let's say, uh, or it could still be jazz, but composed music where you could spend uh, three months, three years working on three minutes of music, mm -hmm. whereas in live jazz improvisation, it's one minute of uh, composing in your head, reflecting in real time of one minute of actual playing. Well, I mean, there's cert certain people that say that uh, jazz improvisation is not really improvisation. Some people say that because it's so much of a language that's been codified and recognized and people mm -hmm. can reproduce it, it's about speaking a language fluently. Mm -hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. Other people feel that um, they're spontaneous composers within the language. Mm hmm that's like semantical at this point. Yeah. Um, but it's it's cool if you want to get into that. Right. And then others are just like free thinkers, like, mm -hmm. you know, just playing whatever. I don't really believe like um, just playing free, you're only playing with the f what comes to the top of your head because there's devices you use mm -hmm. and there's systems and you've organized some thought to be able to do it over and over again. Mm -hmm. Even if it's like five or six things you do. Mm -hmm. And you do those things. You've worked on being able to have the instrument be manipulated in such a way to repeat them. So there's, there's language. There's always language, you know, inflection, you know, emotion. There's always language. And I think even with jujitsu, there's always a certain sense of um, uh, give and take body language that kind of indicates you can go left, you can go right, you can go forward, overhead, go back. Mm -hmm. You know, because there's things that are indicated based on knowing the principles of the movements. I think Ryan Hall actually had uh, uh, tried to link it together as well, too. 50-50 uh, uh, jiu-jitsu. Yeah. I believe that's who he represents. And he had a, a long interview years and years ago where he talked about, where he related uh, jiu-jitsu more to like the English language, where like you could have this uh, reference book right now of uh, participles and and uh, subjects, pronouns, and all the uh, gr grammatical mm -hmm. uh, uh, components of a, of a sentence. The, ah, a, he, right. she, is, right. then, was. And you could rattle them all off. But doing what we're doing right now, sure. we don't have to think about that. We don't, we're not actively thinking, I have to start by addressing you, Bruce, right. and the preposition, is right. a great musician. <laughs> you know right, what I mean? Right, right. It is, it's more <laughs> so that we're speaking, and then not only that we have a rough idea about what we're going to talk about. We have a little bit of a framework about what we'd like to discuss, but everything else is just free flowing. So it could get very, uh, as you said, semantics of like, Oh, well then that's not improvisation. You guys know what you're going to talk about. It's like, yeah, well, exactly. Right. You, know, you know, after a while now you're starting to, um, <laughs> yeah, you get people getting nitty gritty. With what them. do you call it? Like making a, a, a mountain out of a molehill in the conversation. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's not worth all that extra talking. Mm-hmm. 
it is what it is. Yeah. And it really is what it is. For me, like, you know, just, just training and, like, being able to feel, like, someone's intentions and, like, you mm-hmm. know, or... You know, jiu-jitsu can be very deceptive in that um, it can feel like someone's going one particular way and they're actually setting you up for something else because it's mm-hmm. chess, mm-hmm. you know? But... The indicators, even if it's a deceptive move, still indicates that, like, if you're savvy enough that, like, they want X, but Y could happen. Mm-hmm. So your preparedness, that's just like knowing your scales and arpeggios and things like the preparedness to deal with a musical situation. It's not that it's, like I said, you're not always going to be, you know. Batting a thousand. Batting a thousand on the Grammys. You know, you're not <laughs> always going to be that, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but. You, you still should be able to have a, you know, a functional, highly functional good time, you know. Because um, most of us, we know that, you know, outside of the UFC, most people don't know jujitsu. Yeah. You know, they know it from these terms from Joe Rogan uh, slinging them around and commentating and things mm-hmm. like that, you know. But they don't really know, you know, unless they spend some time. Unless you spend a good six months on the mat, you don't really know. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know. And then after that, you get to be a black belt. And you realize how much you don't know, mm. you know, and that that's a real revelation. That's a head trip in itself. You came, you came into jujitsu in from uh, from an interesting standpoint, and I I relate to it because I it it was it was something where I met you uh, when you were a purple, and then I was coming in as a white belt at, mm-hmm. at Mike's, and then as we were going, then I learned, oh my god, oh you're a musician, oh you're not only that, but you. Right, playing jazz as well too, which held a very, very. It, it was still the you know, pie in the sky for me to sure. start learning. So you were coming from uh, uh, an art where you had already received uh, degrees, accolades in it, and then you were jumping into yet this other deep art where starting from ground zero and building <coughs> up. Right. It, here's the question. When you, um, I'm sure that when you go through jazz and you're learning music, you're maybe one of the intentions is, was probably you wanted to properly express yourself through uh, music. You know, um, when I first started to play saxophone, mm-hmm. I really just liked the saxophone. Yeah. And then, wow, you actually are getting good mm-hmm. um, and you're getting better and you, you're enjoying um, people saying that you sound good or. You know, playing a concert or whatever. I never ever started playing saxophone thinking that I was going to be a professional. Mm-hmm. I never thought about going to school for music in the beginning. Never. I mean, I actually was really more into thinking about law school or being a vet hmm. because I had you know feelings about both. Um, but I didn't really want to commit that much time. And then at the time. Right before my uh, audition to get that scholarship, my father, my father died. My father hung himself, and um, I got the scholarship. Told him and everything, everything, and my father's health went left. You know, and heart attack, quadruple bypass, and his mental health went. You know, and here I am, seventeen years old, like everything just crumbling all around me. You know, and music saved me. You know, music saved me because. I, I lacked um, really any direction or support other than my mom because 
my brothers were stricken with the whole thing about it's their father too, but they're older, ten or fifteen years older, and it just uh, you know it spun me around in a circle, you know. But music was the one thing that kept me from going to jail, from doing something stupid. You know, uh, I had the support of the University of the District of Columbia's Jazz Department, Dr. Calvin Jones, Professor Calvin Jones, and Judith Corey, and all these people. I mean, notable, really smart people, you know, my saxophone teacher and and woodwind instructors and professors. I mean, I, without them, man, I would really be in trouble. So when I embarked upon jiu-jitsu, I had had a nasty car accident while uh, being a student at William Patterson. And I went through several years of just pain from being hit as a pedestrian and thrown about 15 feet off the front of a car. My head busted Jesus. open their windshield. And from that point on, I just started gaining weight. Mm-hmm. And then lower back hurting and walking into a mall and like my legs hurt my back. I No one told us at the time, you know, about the proper physical therapy for stuff like that, for that kind of trauma. I had mysterious trauma to my hands, and I had no cuts on my hands. I had to go to therapy for my hands because my hands hurt so bad, and my Mm. upper lip was cut open. I was a saxophone player. My upper lip was cut open. You know, not just my head and those surgeries for that stuff. So by the time I embarked upon jiu-jitsu, another saxophone player, a good friend of mine, Justin Robinson, was talking about the Gracies. I happened to look it up. I said, really? Okay. You know, because I did a little sport karate as a teenager. Couple of judo classes, a wrestling seminar, and like middle school, high school, and like, but I I hadn't done any kind of fighting, any kind of training like that, like forever, you know, since high school, and here I am, two weeks before my thirty seventh birthday, wow, and I had this incident with my back and my body in a car accident when I was like twenty one or two, mm. and all that time. You know, I was slowly putting on weight and going up and down, feeling good, not feeling good, feeling good, not feeling good, you know, and not really understanding it. So when I started jujitsu, I was like, wow, how did Hoist Gracie do that? I can't believe it. I want to know how he did that. And then I found out, oh, what? This will keep me from being 300 pounds? Then let's do this. Hmm. And so that's that's how it started. Yep. You know, uh, I was very fortunate to meet Mike because – um. I looked up and found the school for me and Justin to start it. <clears throat> Justin was aware of it because he's already a, a Kyokushin black belt and mm-hmm. a sport karate black belt. And so he understood about what jujitsu was from seeing a couple early ultimate fighters and researching things, but he never got on the match that way. Being that he came from a Japanese art, he understood about throwing people and taking them down, but like being full Niwaza, he had no mm-hmm. orientation to. So for me, learning that i was like okay well i'll give it a try he took the first class and i took the next class right after that because we went together i watched the class and i decided okay i'll do it mm-hmm. i had no idea that i was going to get a blue belt and i was going to move do this i was going to start teaching classes and privates and i never I had no idea you know mm-hmm. I, I just liked it yep. and, and meeting mike was great because he had the right personality and he took everybody from where they were there was no um, assumption about anybody or predisposition. He just was a pre- people person, you know. Mm-hmm. And I looked up Guerrero and I looked up Mike. And at the time, they kind of were like equidistant mm-hmm. from where we lived. But I said, let's try this cat. 
we met Mike, man, I forgot all about Guerrero. <laughs> you know, I yep. really, I just, you know, and then and meeting Mike and realizing how the lineage was right back to Elio Gracie, mm-hmm. you know, and with David and Hoyler and Lou. I said, man, this makes sense because I don't know enough about this to trust. And I think I think Guerrero was part of that too at one point, but um, by Mike being a champion and just being so loose, mm-hmm. it just was easy for me, mm-hmm. you know. And as you as you progress through that, did you find that um, you started building up probably your your own game and expressing a, a certain part of your personality or uh, expressing a certain part of who was Bruce through jujitsu? Do you think you found that yet? And oh, yeah. also at the same time, the the, the follow up question too is, do you feel that uh, you you've reached that point now too where you're you you're, you're expressing who? Properly expressing yourself in jazz as well too. Yeah, I mean, um, with jujitsu. As for jujitsu, I saw pretty early on from privates with Mike and stuff that he told me, kind of like how I was going to go, hmm. you know. And also, I, I made several different adjustments over the years to to accommodate that and enhance it. By proper belt, you should kind of know, like what you like to do, mm-hmm. but still should be open to do, you know, some other things or try other things. Mm-hmm. Going upside down is not for me. <laughs> unless I'm trying to escape. Gotcha. You know, um, yep. uh, the Baron Bolo, all that kind of stuff is, is just not for me. You know, I'm a lot more self-defense oriented, not just the stand-up self-defense, but like I need to defend myself in this position mm-hmm. rather than like, you know, how many points I'm going to get, mm-hmm. you know. I feel like, you know, you can run points on me, but if I tap you, who cares about your points? Mm. You know what I mean? At the end of the day, that's what we're trying to deal with out here. Yep. You know, uh, in terms of jazz, I think about the time I did this latest record, I really started to, you know, because it's the first recording I did where it's all my music. Mm-hmm. Every other recording was like maybe the piano players, tune couple tunes or it was a standard or a pop tune arranged for jazz or stuff like that as well as my music what was what was missing or what was something that like you you were just uh struggling to uh, struggle in a good way struggle to try to capture well this particular record pat um private thoughts is all about my struggles from my father to, to from 17 to being an adult you know father and everything like all the the, the troubles I had, you know, the nightmares, the um, counselors, um, depression, anger management, you know, um, time management, you know, missing him, trying to, you know, for, forever asking, why did this happen to me, you know? And it wasn't so much just me, but why did this have to happen, you know? Because when, when people uh, take their lives... You know, they affect so many people, man. Like, like you don't realize how many people are, you know, hurt behind it or confused behind it. I didn't even really realize it until I got a lot older. And right during the time I was about to record this music, I had cousins and stuff reach out to me on my father's side of the family that I hadn't seen since before he passed. And And some... I only kind of remember it's like snapshots in my mind, you know, 
And, you know, my big question to them was, where were you? Hmm. Where was everybody when I was the 17-year-old kid having to see my dad on the stretcher, you know, and my mom's not there. It's me and the police and my neighbor and, and my girlfriend. You know, where, where where was everybody to check on me? You know, and so a lot of that stuff was washed away through doing this recording, and it also helped me play differently, you know. Um, <clears throat> prior to that, like through jujitsu, I I did I realized I had like an irregular heart rhythm. And um I remember rolling when we were on uh Bloomfield Avenue and I got like a, a broken blood vessel in my eye and then on my arm I had a bruise and the next day it went from like a nickel to the size of a sunfish. And soon after that I realized my pressure was like through the roof and I had lost weight. But like why was my pressure raging like yeah. that? So my heart was going all kind of different beats and everything. And I finally, I got hospitalized and was put on uh, beta blockers for a while. And that was another trip, too. Like, this is like long after my pop and all that stuff. But this is like blue belt, purple belt, something like that. You know, man, that was a trip because I had to learn how to fight um, and play with a certain sense of fire that was suppressed by the medication. Man. You know, it's like so. It's like yeah. I didn't have that natural. Ah, you know, mm. I, I I had to really think about. You have to react. You got to move. Or, how do you play to make it sound soulful and bluesy and powerful or whatever? I had to sit at home and really think about what mechanism is being used to do this. And same thing happened in jujitsu. I got really passive, man. Just like really, really passive. And I had to like realize man you're gonna get hurt and had to make i had to muster up the energy to like fight through it and that was like two years on that medication man i was like i'm not myself i felt like i was a guy in the bubble walking around most people don't know this but i would be playing and like really having to intellectualize why you play this way you know i had to really figure it out okay this is the mechanism that does this that's the mechanism that does that. You know how you feel when you do it, so do it. Okay, now listen to it. Okay, so you can do it at will. You can do it at will as a mechanism, like grabbing somebody's geese leave. Like, I know I should grab it, so I'm going to grab it. Rather than like, oh, hell, I got to grab it. Mm-hmm. So for me, it was like, just it would just happen. You know, I would just play and like whatever, it, it just would be spontaneous. It would just happen. I had to seriously think about you need to grab this. You need to hip out. You need to do, you know, you need to do this in order to get this reaction when you play. You're in this, the music's going to a frenzy. How do you play it now? So that was a major, major drag. <laughs> that was two years worth of it? You said you were on the medication like for two years, years plus that of, of essentially trying to, re, like, before you had this reservoir that you could easily tap into. Now you had, wow. It was cut off. Jeez. The reservoir was cut off. Around the time you met me, uh-huh. I was trying to figure it out, you know. Mm-hmm. And then your body gets used to it, and they had to change the medicine and everything. So then, like, it's it's cool. But, you know, um, I just didn't, I really didn't know what to do. It was really depressing, you know, because, like, what you always found joy in is, like, yeah. you know, knowing you can react was gone. So Wow. 
Jesus, man. Yeah, you, you're you're not kidding when you said like not a lot, a lot of people know this. And yeah. and just from a, just from you know my hobbyist and being a jujitsu training dummy, of, <laughs> of, <laughs> of uh, you more than that. Come on, of a uh, of a uh, you know having that reservoir like my own that you almost kind of like take for granted that you'll 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 tap it into, and then to have it just cut off for an extended period of time, two years plus, did it. It eventually uh, came back, or yeah, it did. But, yeah, but I learned a lot in the process. Yeah, about how to play and what I'd like to do. And I would, I, you know, I always was a fan of this uh, saxophone player, the Grandmaster um, Gary Bartz. Mm-hmm. But but Bartz yes. has like a quiet fire, you know, like the pot's always boiling, but not boiling over. Mm-hmm. And I'm coming from the perspective of people boiling over. Yeah, like like Jackie McLean and Cannonball. But Bart's is boiling, but the pot doesn't boil over. and But there's still so much content. Mm-hmm. It made me start listening to him again to figure out, oh. It's an interesting expression, quiet fire. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, how? Oh, that's what he's doing. And analyzing and transcribing again and implementing, you know, how to how to look at, you know, music totally. Di- I mean, I, I did a whole, you know, r- sort of reinvention of myself. Mm-hmm. I always liked him. I always had his elements, but I had to really like find another way to play, which was a lot more intellectual. Not to say that the those other influences are intellectual; they are very intellectual to me. But with less emotional content that was like you know, like in your face. Yeah. You know, um, it it just it, it sat me down for a while, you know, and nobody really got it. it the only time it really was like an explosive thing is when I was extremely pissed off. Mm. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it like would boil over, but musically and and fighting, I was like kind of just. How did you adjust the jujitsu game? For an, in, I just had to period. make myself be really aware that you're in danger. Mm. Oh. From that knee, from the guy stepping up, the guy mounting, I had to really, you're in danger, man. You know what to do. You had to you reckon, gotta, uh, like, more consciously right. say it. Instead of, like, letting your, your uh, quote, reflexes or adrenaline yeah, take was, over. there was it no was, reflexes, adrenaline, or flow. Geez. It was reaction. Mm. It was purely reaction. Uh-huh. Now, I learned from that yeah. to flow better later. Mm-hmm. You know, to, like, give and take a little bit more. You know, Mike used to always say, Bruce, don't hurt the customer. Don't hurt the customer. <laughs> you know, and um, <laughs> um, or I'd be passing, starting to stand up in the pit. No, no, get down. Don't stand, you know, because he knew it would be too much weight yeah. or knee or whatever. Like, no, pass low. Yeah. And, and I had to adjust. I had so much I had to adjust, you know. Just, and you were still learning. Yeah. Jeez, I mean, you're dead if you if you feel like you've uh, learned everything. Yeah, yeah, you have to realize you know nothing, really. As much as you know, this somebody that knows more, or an experience that will enhance. You know, like we had a um, a black and brown belt only open mat this morning. Mm-hmm. It was like five black belts and the rest brown, maybe one purple or so. Mm-hmm. Man. I had to re. I had to think about it after. So you know what? I gotta readdress this pass with this extra detail. Mm-hmm. Even if you got it off, it shouldn't have been that hard. Mm-hmm. You know, you gotta readdress whatever it is. You know, your grip or 
setting up a sweep. You know, it it makes because there's certain stuff we can pull off on people that are not as savvy. Mm-hmm. When everybody's got like basically the same information in their wheelhouse, it's a lot more difficult. You know, it's a lot more difficult. Absolutely, and then this is at least this is sounding like you 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 have you're able you you have that reservoir back though in case you ever needed to. Oh yeah, to, I mean, but at, like, at this point n- n- now. But I have like you know, at my age, uh, gained some insight about, um, like I say about saxophone technique on reserve, hmm. where you you amass so much, but. You use what you need, not what you need to show off. Yeah. Instead Same of throwing the encyclopedia at people. Yeah, don't yeah. Like, don't show your whole hand. Yeah. You know, like have some other stuff in there. You know, and it's not necessarily about how much you can pick them up and bench them and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, it's really about kind of let them walk into some problems. Mm-hmm. You know, that's a technique in itself. Playing yeah. possum is a technique on its own. Mm-hmm. You know, where you put your hands when they don't realize you put your hands there. That's a technique all on its own, you know. Every position has one of those little tweaks. Same thing with playing music. It's like, guys will say, well, this guy's got a lot of technique. He's playing all this stuff. He's playing all this stuff. A lot of the technique is what you don't do. Mm. You know, as far as jujitsu or music, it's what mm-hmm. you don't do. Because there are choices. If you only feel like your choice is to show off, then eventually everybody's going to see everything you have in your wheelhouse. Then what do you do? Mm-hmm. You know, that's a hell of a question to have to answer in the midst of a fight. Then what do you do? Especially when you don't have anything else left to yeah. left to give. And I'm not even talking about your cardio or your yeah. strength, but you show all your tricks. Yep. You regurgibopped everything. You regurgibopped everything. <laughs> and the crowd has already heard it. Yeah, you know, like, yeah, okay, man, you played that same way on the last solo. Mm-hmm. Do you think there's jumping back a little bit back to um, way back actually when you when you were talking about like a crowd and like oh yeah this is the stuff that they they'll applaud to do you think um, there's because I remember again in, in in that Bill Evans uh, video he said there is a, a certain amount of a uh, uh, listening training that there's there's a little bit where the audience does have to listen a little more a little more to a specific style of music whether it be a jazz mm-hmm. or or jam band or anything else in order to quote understand it a, a little more do you still what are you getting the vibe of as as you're playing these days um coming from the audience it depends on where i'm playing yeah you know if it's a concert a hall you know um it's understood after mm-hmm. the person solos to clap yeah it's it's understood that um there's a beginning middle and end in a club, sometimes they they will refer to you without saying it like your background music. And if there's a hundred people, there's twenty five that's really listening. Mm-hmm. You you need to try to capture that other seventy five or get over the fifty percent mark because then now you really have an audience. If you can all of a sudden get the rest of the people in the room or, or a larger majority of them to um, engage by clapping and paying attention, then you've done it. A lot of times, if I'm playing, you know. Jazz is kind of like a thing where, you know, there's like a lot of guys hanging around and not that many women, mm-hmm. you know, and that's always bothered me, mm. you know, because it's like we're a bunch of nerds or something, you know, and if I see some women, I try to play in a way to get their attention, mm-hmm. 
Because they're the ones that are going to make the biggest difference in the room. They're going to be more engaging after the gig to talk to you, mm-hmm. clap, uh, also kind of incite others to pay attention and clap. Just one dude in the corner clapping because you played some regurgibop that he recognizes. That's not cool. Mm. You know, the music used to be a lot more social mm-hmm. uh, with people dancing and all that kind of stuff. And or just grooving, you know. Yeah. And when it's just somebody like kind of, you know, nerding out about whatever technique or whatever and they can't wait to talk to you about gear or whatever, you know. The, the musician's music. Yeah, that's that's not really what the yeah. music's all about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the people I liked, you know, they they had community-based following. You mm-hmm. know, I never hear any stories about Monk where the people say they didn't dig Monk as a human being. Yeah. You know, they talk about the social things that Miles said or did. You know, Cannonball, like, you know, the Jazz Crusaders, you know. Um, you know, just whoever. You know, there was a social thing. Yeah. Now, um, with the music being kind of melded into more of a hip hop thing at times, yeah, <clears throat> you get that audience mm-hmm. that's more into what that brings, and they like the label stuff. It's jazz, where it might be jazz influenced, but I don't necessarily think it's jazz. Gotcha. Um, even if played by people who studied it, you know, at the time it's more a fusion or a groove, funky thing, which is fine, you know, because I do that too, but. That group of people are more into um, the community base, clapping and singing and dancing and bobbing their heads. They're into the feeling of it. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get too intellectual. Yeah. Yeah. Too heady. And then, like, you know, you get the one or two dudes in the room clapping about the new drums or what kind of amp you're using or whatever, you know, mm. it's like, all right, man, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm guilty of that. Time, what about this I love that stuff. <laughs> we all do. <laughs> we all do because it's like, it's a part of our interest. It's like. When you spend so much time refining and, and trying to, you know, as as took you, as as you said, up until somewhat recently to properly express yourself and, and the hours and hours and the. The, and and the technique you invest, and also in your gear as, as well too. You can't, man. you know, to have like that's why a few people are going to be like, man, I really love the the gear that you're using because you know. You know and with that, <laughs> with that, like I've you know, I've been recording for a long time as a yeah. side man, and it's like my earliest CD. I was in my early twenties, mid early twenties, and um, I don't even have that saxophone anymore. Oh. To have a like a gearhead talk, and the other one I don't even have that one anymore. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. there were tools and vehicles used to get to where I needed to go, and then you grow and you change, you do stuff. You know, mm-hmm. so to be overly obsessed about the tools used rather than the impetus is a little, we live in a very techy uh, time. Yeah, Bruce. I mean, for me, so like they, when they, I they play, love that stuff. When I play, man, I'm trying to have a spiritual. Or emotional um, kind of event, as well as technically uh, yep. uh, um, appealing to those who want to listen to it, like the jazz heads or mm-hmm. whatever. I'm trying to feel something, go home with an experience. Yep. You know, it's like when you have a role and it's a rough role, but you feel like you learned something rather than you just got your ass kicked. You know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you just, yeah. it's it's something about it where you're like, man, wow, that was great how they did or we ended up this way or, you know, 
that's how I, that's how I feel about music. Mm-hmm. Like you get to that point where like man, we really got to something that you can't explain. Yep. But it meant something to me. Same thing with jujitsu. And you know, you know how it is. Mm-hmm. Two guys bumping real hard and you know, everything's going back and forth. But at the end, you're ready to hug and yeah. and shake hands and everything because like you realize you both learned something at the moment. You know? I was at, at a recent fish show at a sold out Madison Square Garden. It mm. was their whole like New Year's uh Eve run. And it's the first time I've ever been in the garden where I felt like the rafters like shaking because yeah. everyone was 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 bopping so hard. So Fish has been around for a while. They sure. got their whole stage show, the light show. And I was I was wondering about exactly what you said of of uh no matter what type of music attempting to reach the audience and giving them that type of quote experience, maybe it's a religious experience, maybe it's it's just something yeah. an, an amazing experience that they can that they feel and they can they can take home. Do you think like um um especially when you I'm just thinking maybe it's due to the fact that there's just so much out there now. There's a lot of other musical experiences out there, sans uh, jazz, as opposed to uh, maybe it's just the, the, the gearheads. Or, or I don't even care if it's jazz, Yeah, to be honest. <clears throat> it's like, you know, the area that I, I work in most. But mm-hmm. um, when I play with Roy Hargrove's RH Factor, it's more of like a funk. Yeah. R&B, Afrobeat, soul, R&B, um, and fusion mm-hmm. combined band because we cover so many bases in one set in 90 minutes. You're going to go on a trip, and everybody's well-equipped to take you on that ride. Yep. And the audience is hanging on to every note, every step, you know, and that's a whole nother experience. Like, I have neglected to go see certain people play. I don't know if I just say it was being cheap or not being aware or whatever. Like, I, I really... Or just miss, busy as a dad. Well, that too. <laughs> busy as a father and all that. I mean, I miss Prince live. I miss Miles by, by not knowing to go, mm-hmm. you know, at the time. And I haven't seen Stevie yet. I need to go see Stevie. Because if I've, if I've missed those other two, I need to see Stevie. I've seen some legends in jazz and, and some R&B people that, like, I really like, Wow. That's incredible, you know. Th- those experiences, that moment, that joy, that electricity, it exists anywhere you go, mm-hmm. you know. And if an artist is trying to really deliver it, it's just like when you see someone give like a, a monologue that's an art, um, an actor. Mm-hmm. Why do people cry? The words, how they delivered it, or uh, an orator. Why are you so emotionally, you know, taken by it? They've connected with. They've found connected a way. with you, and that's yeah. all I'm trying to get to do. Yep. So when I play, I want you to feel that heat, that electricity, that mm-hmm. thing, you know. Um, so I mean, sometimes I'm playing so hard, man. I'm standing on my two feet, but I feel like I'm laying down, <laughs> like I'm like levitating. You know, I'm trying to get to this place where I'm just. And that's like part of like, you know, we're talking about with grappling. That's that flow, like where it's like, yep. it's just that connection. Like, ooh, move, move, this move, that move, that move, you know. You actually just reminded me of a, of a, of, of something way, way in the past. Remember when uh, Mike would hold his parties, right? And you have his band come over mm-hmm. and you have you mm-hmm. guest star. I distinctly remember one time after class, he had a folder of music with you. And I was like, Bruce, what is that? And he goes, I got I to gotta study up for, because you were going to play guest uh, saxophone at uh, at the party, yeah. And then I remembered it was it was like uh, 
Doors, uh, what is it, L.A. Woman? It was it was Ozzy. <laughs> it was Chili Peppers or, or something. And I, I guess my joke, uh, not my joke, my question to put you on the spot is: What were some of those notes that you had <laughs> on the tunes? Uh, going, you know, to YouTube or whatever, and uh-huh. like transcribing a little bit, writing the keys, writing the transitions down, yeah. and like, so I didn't have to necessarily look at it all the time, and you know, gotcha. like get it in my head because that's not my world, mm-hmm. you know. And I mean. Just out of respect for what it is, you know, I don't want to be like, oh, I'm the jazz guy. That's you that's know? the thing. Yeah, you gotta be a musician first. Mm-hmm. You know, like if, unless you're only gonna play jazz, which very few people have that luxury. Mm-hmm. You gotta be a musician first. I mean, I'm on a couple rock records. Mm-hmm. I'm on some hip hop stuff, club music stuff that you wouldn't even know it's me. But oh, people got, are gonna deep dive in Google now. <laughs> <laughs> but you gotta you gotta go and look. Yeah. And study. You got to check it out, you know? Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, um, you being an accomplished grappler, but then you just jump into a Sambo tournament but never watch any Sambo. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. kind of stupid. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like some a few elements you might want to check before you step on those mats. Yep. So it's the same kind of respect, man. You got to just respect, you know, where the stuff is coming from. And I, and I also just wanted to do a good job. You know, of course. There was, it. It reminded me of a, yet another story. I'm not. I'm not sure if you if you knew how much this affected me, but it affected not only me, but what you said also affected me and Jess as well too. Few in in our eventually as we grew in our careers in our professional lives, mm-hmm. there was uh, uh, after after class you were you were annoyed about something. And, you know, after class we all like to uh, back then sat around kind of like air grievances of of whatever was going on and uh you can correct me if i'm if i'm uh not giving the right uh paraphrase or or details but it was uh some audition for a gig or you already had the gig and someone was uh uh second chair third chair and was messing with you or, or doing something to actively uh compromise your opportunity to do your job mm-hmm. and i remember the free the phrase that you used stuck in my head for to this day, it's one of the phrases I, I, I would pass down to Warren as well, too. And, and it was, you you don't mess with someone's opportunity to, you know, put food on the table. Absolutely. That was, and and it actually helped me in, uh, when, when I did start uh, move, advancing in my career, I knew which battles to, to fight and which battles not to fight. Exactly. And so I, there was a lot of them I didn't have to fight where it's like, okay, yeah, you're actually trying to help me out here. And then there was maybe one or two where it's like, you, you're actually out to get me yeah. in, in, in a way. And it also helped Jess out in one particular, one particular case where a coworker was actively out to get her and she was able to, she remembered that line. She came over. I remember that line Bruce said. And I had to stand up for myself and, you know. You have to. I mean, mm-hmm. like. Uh, yeah, I don't know if you want to go into that just, story. Just, or Just like, you know, that dealing lesson. with jujitsu and Mike McCulloch. You know, when a particular person left the school for whatever reason, I just said to them, um, whatever you do, don't try to poach or divide the school based on some emotional stuff uh, between the two of you. Mm. Because at the end of the day, this is how he's taking care of his family. Mm. And if you do that, I'm going to lose a level of respect for you because 
There's other places to go and train, mm-hmm. but you don't have to do anything that's going to breach, destroy, you know, the success of him taking care of his family. That's already laid out before you came in the room that he has a family and a job and a responsibility. Mm-hmm. So when you do stuff like that, I lose a lot of respect, you know. And some people end up learning and realizing they were wrong and they grow and, they, you know, they step it up. You know, they apologize or whatever. But it's a dog-eat-dog world, and sometimes people's emotions get in front of their sensibilities. Mm. Um, I've had that happen to me more than once, where someone was trying to make you look bad based on their insecurities. Mm. And uh, if not handled the right way, it'll make everyone think that you're soft or you're a sucker or you're um, uh, inadequate you know, and losing face in a way. Yeah, and um, I really don't stand for that because it doesn't have to go that far. Yeah, you know, if, if you need me to do something better, mm-hmm. improve, um, correct something, not even be there, we can have that conversation. But don't make it like I have to be a joke, mm-hmm. and you have to make it so that like the whole scene uh, will look down on me based on your opinion, especially if you might be one with a little higher status. Mm. Or you think you have status or influence? I don't really, uh, I don't really go for that. Yeah, you know because I really firmly believe the Creator is going to give everybody what they're due. Now you got to work, you got to work, um, and develop it. But what you get, it's like I, I tell a lot of cats: every person's successes and failures are all their own, mm. and you have to allow that to be. You know. How I came to be this way or that way is based on the successes and failures of in the trappings of my life that some I didn't even put on myself. It's just the way it is. And you have to learn to deal with it. You know, uh, raising a family, um, playing gigs, traveling, you know, endorsements, learning jujitsu, ups and downs. You know, the ups and downs, the tears and the blood and pain from jujitsu. Like, you know, it's not a gift. It's not a gift. You got to work for it, you mm-hmm. know? You're not going to, you know, if someone just gives you some kind of rank and you don't deserve it, man, it's going to come out, you know? You have to be able to stand by your stuff, you know? And I feel like people that um try to undercut you, you know, a lot of times it's rooted in jealousy, you know, rooted in um, ego. There's some sense of malevolence there. Especially an undercut, because that's as as you as you said, it's it's actively um, causing harm in a way to you, not directly as it, as we were talking about before. Not trying to stab you figuratively, or, or no, not literally, but probably figuratively, figuratively. In, in, in figuratively in the back, because as you said, that could result in loss of your opportunity to provide. Yeah, and when it comes down to like, you know, man. Mm-hmm. It's financially daunting at times to have a house and career and a child and all that. There's some days you have to sacrifice having less for yourself because you want for your child or you want for your home. You have to like, you know, maybe not eat what you want to eat, but make sure they have it, you know, or Mm -hmm. I'm not going to buy that ghee this week because this is due. Mm -hmm. You know, I know I can get it. But I will have to wait uh, a week, two weeks, a month, mm-hmm. you know, planning, saving. And, and when someone gets in the way of you doing that, mm. 
See, it's not just me you're hurting. Now you're messing with my children. Mm-hmm. Now you're messing with um, my wife. You know, in my, and in my case, my mom lives with us. You know, now you're messing with how I deal with them. Mm-hmm. You know, um, <laughs> if, the, if we're used to having steak and I choose to have sardines because I need to make sure they have it, but now you make it so I can't even have my sardines, we got a problem. Yep. <laughs> you know, don't know. I, we I have, we you, have a major problem. You know, I want to thank you for that lesson, though, because uh-huh. that's what you know. It, it was it was never actually explicitly told. It, it, it I, I'm sure when people are hearing this, it's like, oh yeah, it, it absolutely makes sense. But it was something I was never actually you know explicitly told. And then hearing that, man, did that stick? And man, did that really help out in moving on in in Jess and my in my career? I think I got it from my mom yeah. because I'm her only child but my father's fourth son mm-hmm. and so they're technically my half brothers we were never supposed to say half brother mm-hmm. they're 10 and 15 years older than mm-hmm. me and um she was on me all the time about not being stingy not being jealous you know by being an only child she didn't want me to fall into the trappings of what only children do you can't escape some of it you know mm-hmm. but overall she made me very aware of the things you have and the things others have and what they have is what they have and what you have is what you have. Um, Making sure you share, make sure there's give and take because a lot of people, you know, they they don't learn that until much, much later or or ever, you know. So if I have mine and I'm willing to share with you mine, but you're willing to take it all and never give back, that's a problem. Mm -hmm. If you're uh, willing to block me from having Whatever is supposed to come my way, money, food, promotion, um, peace of mind, that's a problem. Yeah. Because you want yours and mine so much so that you don't want me to have even mine. You know, that that's an issue, you know, that we're having to deal with here. That's a, that's a what is that, in, in medical profession, that's a Hippocratic oath, first do no harm. Exactly. And, and, and that's being violated in, in, in a sense. Man, you can go to any religion, any kind of philosophy. Yeah. It's always going to be, basically, don't mess people over. Yeah. I mean, if you get down to it, you know, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it can be said so many different ways, you know. It's tough. It, get, it, it, get, it gets lost in, in, in emotion. And as you were, you were saying, you were, you were trying to uh, uh, deconstruct that uh, whomever was actually bringing harm your way trying to figure out what what you know why and then there's jealousy there's ego there it it's it's tough in the in, in these days listen man i feel like there's there's fame and there's success and um su- success is measured by many different types of um yardsticks but me and some of my colleagues my friends we measure success by our happiness by um, how well our kids are doing and what we can do for them and how we live. Um, are we in decent health? Um, do we have help with our health? You know, mm-hmm. health care, medication, um, you know, peace of mind. There's a certain amount of success. And then the other thing is, you know, people get jealous over the fact that, you know, you've been able to achieve a household and a wife and a kid mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff or 
How did you get that? How, why are they with each other? Why is this and that? That stuff comes up. Mm. That stuff comes up. Or how did you get into this place with your career? Mm-hmm. And to judge whether, whether they can do it better than you or not. Well, it's not a point whether someone can do it better. There's always somebody better on something or the other, you know, or maybe more appealing to this one or that one. The point I'm trying to make is if you've been chosen to do X, Y, and Z, then stop worrying about that that person got chosen for X, Y, and Z. When they send you for a sub or they be, they fall ill or they're no longer in the graces with the people they're working with, then maybe we can see whether it's going to be for you. Mm. But what is for me is for me. Mm. And what is for you is for you. I'm not a jealous individual. Yeah. You know, I'm a person that... um. Yeah, I will admit to saying, oh, man, man, I wish that would be this way or whatever, but not to the point where I don't want them to have it. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. I don't I don't want you to have it. Mm. You know, it's just like like you just with promotions. Guys getting upset by not getting promoted at that yeah, particular yeah. moment yep. when they don't realize maybe another week, two months, whatever of evaluation the professor's just going through just to make sure you're ready is in your best interest. Mm-hmm. But you're mad now. You start campaigning. Yep. You know, uh, talking trash. I mean, like, it's gonna come. It's gonna come, or it's not. Mike used to talk about that. He he used to make a subtle joke that if if you even mentioned you quote you're your, held your, back. your next belt level is like oh that's at least six weeks right yeah. here. You know, it was it was it was. It was a it was a joke. It was an out loud joke, but also there was a you know there's this underlying truth to that. He was very serious that. about yeah. it because he you know it, me and Mike McCulloch were extremely close. I mean, I wanted a few. I think I might be the only uh, that went white to black with him. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I think another person did too, but I was there all the time. Another person started their own school, and he did he did too. But like I was the one that was there all the time mm-hmm. and covering classes and all, you know. You know the deal. I got you, man. And the, the the many, many, many late night conversations we'd have live on the phone, or he'd be upset about this particular issue, you know, it would drive him crazy because he thought he was doing what he could for the person and they just couldn't see it. There's something to be said when you were talking about success and failures mm-hmm. and and... Um, also with just people attempting to take care of themselves. So there's two things I'll, I'll, I'll just mention. One with success and, and failure. There, I believe there is some type of uh, condition or it's a, it's, it's a bias. It's, it's whatever. You can Wikipedia it, but it's uh, the, uh, the, the condition where people attributed the success. Any th- success is all done from them mm-hmm. and any failure is from external source. The blame game. Yep. <clears throat> and then the other part is that um, as far as like helping people, there's, there's just, I think it's that old saying of you can only help someone if they, if they, if they want to be helped. I think there was like a, a statistic done of, of people who are prescribed medicine for, uh, let's just say, uh, some type of hypertension. Mm-hmm. They say 50% would actually take their uh, prescription. And out of that 50%, uh, uh another 50% would, uh, refill their prescription. Mm-hmm. And out of that 50%, uh, only uh, another fifty would actually take it on time. So it's 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 weird because then then the the the, the study f- flipped it on its head by saying that uh, those people who own pets, 
if they got like, you know, worm medication for their dog or medication for, for their pets, they were like in their upper 80% more likely to take care of their pets or take care of others as opposed to themselves. So it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's weird, man. It's weird when, when, when quote, it's all laid out in front of them. This is going to be good for you. Here's some, here's someone helping you. And they just don't either don't realize it or they, I don't know. I mean, for me in, in the journey of um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, I never asked for a belt. I never asked. I, I remember, uh, getting the blue and the Hoyler was there. Hoyler Gracie was there. I was just like, whoa, that's Hoyce's brother. That's, mm-hmm. We're under this umbrella. I would, you know, but he was so nice and serious about what he was doing. And um, having the blue under his, his blessing was like unbelievable to me. I never really even expected that. And I remember him telling me, I could give you the blue now. But Hoyler's coming in two weeks. Hmm. Would you? What would you rather me do? Whatever you want to do. Let's <laughs> wait for Hoyler. That's okay. <laughs> you know, and that was great. You know, and uh, the thing is, for him to even give me a choice. Yep. Was a test mm-hmm. to see whether I was going to be pursuing the belt, chasing the belt in the first place. Mm. You know. Everybody's successes and failures are all their own, you know. So from that, I just accepted what it was, man. It just went down the road and, you know, from every belt I have, I've worn, I've been tapped. Every belt that I've worn, I've tapped people, you know. You, you maybe tap a little less as you go higher, but, like, that's still the point where you learn. I'm not upset because... I'm more upset at myself if I get caught in something stupid because I know I made a a mistake. There's probably some kind of blue belt level mistake I shouldn't mm. have done. Mm. You know, you know what I mean? Mm. Like, we, oh yeah, big dummy, you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> yeah, you know, okay, yeah, you know, or the person's just that good. So what are you gonna do? Yep. What are you gonna do? You gonna be mad for what? Go shed, like we say, just go shed. Mm. Or it means, you just go train. You know, yeah, man. Uh, and 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 belt doesn't mean you're you're immune to being tapped by this lower level now anymore. No, much less now anybody. That you, now that you've won this award in in whatever in music, doesn't mean that no, a young and hungry up and comers not going to over, yeah overcome they, you. They yeah. can play. Yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, I mean, the likelihood of them being able to totally totally destroy you is less, but it the chance is, is still there, man. But the chance it's is still always there. there. The chance is still there. I mean, it's 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 about a personal journey and preparedness, man. It's you know, you get to a certain place, and you just got to stay aware that like everybody's as hungry as you were. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're as, as just as hungry as you were. You know, and some with whatever ambition or psychology they feel that you know they gotta they gotta outdo somebody. They gotta do you know. They got a one up, you know, music, just whatever. I, it, look, it's just a matter of time put in on whatever you're doing. So to, to be jealous and begrudge somebody over what success or whatever, I'm I'm happy for people when they get certain things, you know. That's a 
that's a mark of of I forgot where I read it, but that that's that's the mark of a true friend to to someone like actually genuinely happy for yeah. someone in success. And some people are thinking that what isn't that like what's supposed to? No, there's some people who like they'll they'll like half smile. Oh, that's great for you. And then the other half is like, I can't believe you got it. Or or as we were talking about, some individuals were just waiting to undercut you late, later on. You know, I've been um, endorsed by these. Uh these companies, you know, for, for music for several years, one of which is uh, Yannick Gisawa Saxophones. It's like a mm. high-level, boutique-level, great instruments. They only make saxophones from Tokyo. Mm-hmm. And uh, I remember getting endorsed from them and even, you know, Van Doren, the Reed Mouthpiece Company. I've been with both of them for so long. People will say, how did you get that? Mm. Not how did you? Yeah. But how did you? That's what the sound comes off like. Oh, how did man. you? Yeah. Like what do you mean how did you? You know, when you really listen to it from the inflections and mm. and and the, mm. the the stance that they're taking, they're judging you based on how they see themselves. Mm. As, as to say that they're better. So how how in the world was it that you're supposed to get or you were in a position to do? Mm-hmm. You know, um, and the other side of it is, if you got all this stuff, something's got to be shady about you. You know, like when you're successful, something's got to be crooked. When it's like, no, there's nothing crooked, there's nothing shady, because at the same time, I've referred other people to get Jeez, or be introduced man. or to benefit from or I've aided them in some kind of way. And once I put the ball in their hand, it's in their court. I I get out the way and let them do the talking for themselves, do what they have to do, because it's, like I said again, my success, my failure, their success, their failure. I'll point you in the right direction. I can't make it happen for you. I can't make a multi-million dollar company give you anything. Yep. I can only suggest. So for you to say, how did you? Yeah, man, that's that's a multi-layered way of of. of roundabout thinking about that what yeah that, this is that a backhanded it right it's, now it's that, a stab you know backhanded compliment right it's, no not even a compliment not even a compliment a backhanded question it's just shade yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's just total shade oh jeez man you know you yeah you know it's just that even with ranks for how we how we come up man mm. there, there's there's ranks of every size shape orientation all over the place are you gonna tell me just because the guy is like a gym rat and he's a purple belt that he's supposed to be like super great versus the guy who's like overweight but knows his positions. Mm-hmm. You don't know who's going to win. Yep. Yeah, there's no telling. It's like to judge a book by its cover and jujitsu is one of the dumbest things you can do. It's probably the stupidest thing to do because you never know who knows what, who's capable of doing what. First tournament I ever went to I believe it was at William Patterson. And I just went to watch. You know, I was like, well, what is this tournament thing all about? Because I'm not a tournament guy. I'm not really that interested in that. And um, I saw this really tall, I don't know if he was uh, Hispanic or Asian. Or this is a really big guy. He kind of seemed like he was more um, almost like a Polynesian guy or something. I don't know. I mean, just a big dude, you know. Mm-hmm. And this joker just jumped down and did the splits. <laughs> you know, I was like, what? 
from the side and turned into it and everything. I said, this is unbelievable. Yeah. Are you supposed to tell me that that guy's not supposed to have that flexibility? No. Yeah. In general, probably not. But what he can do is what he can do. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And uh, that was one of the markers in the beginning of training that let me know that you can't say what the outcome's going to be based on what someone looks like. Yep. There's no, there's no way that you can do that. You know, like, um, are you telling me that um, every little guy is going to beat Felipe Theodoro Big Mac? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think so. No. I don't think so. You know, and is Big Mac going to beat every big guy? No. You know? You know? Uh, it, it, it's just a matter of individuals, man. Everybody has their own it, road. I think it's what you you were saying before, especially with that. How did you get that? I think it's because they had their own pretty much dishonest, warped sense of reality that you you pretty much like put a spike into it because in yeah. their distorted their personal sense of reality, they, as you said, they probably thought that they were better, better, or they would. Or they would have distorted sense of realities of uh, um, people in their lives who, and put them on certain scales. I mean, if you deal with the principle, so, fundamental principle of jujitsu, it's the yeah. small guy being able to manage the, or defeat a larger individual, stronger mm-hmm. individual. Mm-hmm. So if you go into it thinking that just because you're bigger, you're going to win, mm-hmm. or the bigger guy's not going to be able to do, or the little guy's got to win, or the strong guy's got, you you've kind of um scratched off one of the fundamental tenets on the list as to why you're doing it in the first place. And that goes directly towards music or careers or whatever. You cannot judge, you know, what's filled in my brain cells, what's going on with my um, experience level, um, the savvy I have, the Mm -hmm. passion I have. There's no way for you to judge it unless we have a conversation. You see my body of work. Mm -hmm. Honestly and objectively look at it. Mm. That's tough these days. It's very tough. Very tough these days. You know, how honest can you be about, you know, why this person's good at being a writer? Why this person's good at being um, an IT person, a lawyer, mm-hmm. you know, or whatever? You can't just look at them and say, I know they're going to be good. Mm-hmm. There's no, or I know that they suck because they got a big uh, booger on their face or something. <laughs> you don't know. You don't know why. Yep. You know, and it should be left alone. Your success is your success, and your failures are your failures. Mine is my success, mine is my failures. That's a great reoccurring theme. And I think it's among um, countless other lessons that we, we could easily extract from mm-hmm. what we've been talking out for. Uh, give a prediction without looking at the digital time signature there. How long do you think we've been going? Um, oh, you're probably already awesome at this. An hour and 10 minutes. Hour 21. Mm-hmm. Pretty good, man. Is there anything else as far as relating back to Warren? Any other uh, overarching message? Any? Well, right now, unless you have another child, <laughs> you have to pass on this uh, concept of him being warm and giving and sharing, mm. but still being strong in terms of his identity, um, how to be compassionate, um, but still be hardworking. Sometimes people's drive, individuals' drive, shakes the, um, how can I put it? It it shakes people's confidence because they see you so driven or they see you so motivated or in a circle that they were afraid to maybe try or 
whatever, he has to still develop that sense of he's going to be who he's going to be and he's got help, mm. you know. And if you have more children, you have to tell them the same thing. See, for me, it's like I have two only children because my son's 21 and my daughter's 10. You know, same wife. She just wanted a baby later again. So, okay, here we go. <laughs> you know, that's good. <laughs> 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 Go ahead. You know, <coughs> so I had to teach. Oh, them she's both. gonna love listening to this. <laughs> I've had to tell them both about not being jealous, and mm. you know, they're stubborn individuals, but like how to work through it because I'm stubborn. You know, I have a sister. I've had countless times. I'm only separated by like less than a year. My dad had to like really hammer it home as well too. <laughs> I mean, it's important, you know, to um, teach people to listen mm. if they don't have that, you know. I think we're losing that, the ability to listen and um, truth there. really see another person's perspective, you know. It's like, a, it's like food or religion, you know, politics. Like, I may not like everything of this type of food. If I don't have an allergen to it, maybe I should try it because maybe I might find something I like. Mm. Maybe I'll uh, check out a documentary or go visit someone else's place of worship just to see what the, these people are all about rather than pointing the finger and passing judgment based on rumor, you know? Or a surface-level 30-second soundbite. Yeah, you know, um, or... Politically, do you really feel that everyone on the opposite side is 100% wrong in their perspective? So you have to start to like. You're going ideology now. Yeah, yeah you got to balance things out. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, there's a whole lot I don't like about certain things, but I can see some perspective. Don't mean I'm going to buy into it, mm-hmm. but I, you have to be open enough to see another person's point of view. Mm-hmm. And if you're selfish, if you're jealous, if you're closed-minded on everything, you will never get to that point where you can just sit back and say, well, that's just how it is. That's what they do. That's what it is. Mm. Um, And, you know, like for what we do as jujitsu practitioners, there's people on the mat from every persuasion all the time, every religious, every political, uh, social, economic. And when we slap hands and bump fists, all that matters is is you don't choke me. Mm. I mean, it's not a you know if I start grappling the guy just because he's he's a this and and I'm against that. Why are we there? So to 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 bring these things around for your children mm. to understand that like the world is much bigger than like what we see around here. You know, it's a much, much bigger world with all types of people. All I mean, the Internet kind of proves that. But the Internet also exposes the ignorance of people that, that stuck are, you know, keyboard warriors. Double-edged sword. Double-edged sword. And with your child for Warren, I just like just keep exposing them to good people, good things. Um, put a fighting spirit in them. Even if he's not a fighter, mm-hmm. teach him how to fight. 
you know. It's got a good collar drag right now. Good. <laughs> you know. He's got a great butt scoot. Good. Kind of, yeah, at, at this point in time, whatever, time capsule, Mr. Warren, you're still butt scooting. You're, you're starting to, you know, cruise a little better. That's good. <laughs> got a great butt scoot. He's though. beautiful, better, man. Better than 90% of what I see in jiu-jitsu these days. Yeah, he's, a, he's a beautiful little dude, <laughs> Thank man. you, sir. You know, I like little dudes like that. You know, I do. <laughs> I can stay with them all day. I like them, you know. And once again, I want to thank you, Bruce. I mean, it's 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 an hour and a half when you say, like, to be open-minded and, 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 and to listen. I mean, people listening right now, especially if you, you got through here, you're, I think everyone's already on the right path. You're listening for an hour and a half of just... I'm, you know, no bickering, no, no, no fighting. This is just all straight discussion. It's all ideas coming out, and I really want to thank you for being here. I, I appreciate it. I mean, you know, was, jazz is an art form, and yeah. jujitsu is a part of martial arts. Mm-hmm. So the art form, you know, you got to have some humanity. Absolutely. You know. Thank you so much, Bruce. Thank you. And I hope to have you on soon again, man. Yes, thank sir. you so much. Thank you. That is all she wrote. Thank you to Bruce Williams for coming on and providing us with that life lesson. Personal success and personal failure is just that. It's all you. Thank you again for Bruce for coming on the podcast. You can get in touch with us at Dear Warren Podcast on Gmail, Instagram, and Facebook under that name, Dear Warren Podcast. Thank you for listening and all the support we love you all and as always you can see us next time well actually no we'll see you next time with the wonderful jessica for the midweek podcast